podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello folks, it's David here and I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and um, spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. That's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan. You'll also get one additional month for free. Risk free with Nord. It's 30 day back money, uh, 30 day money back guarantee. So all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back. So go and check them out. As I say, it's very important. You'll get peace of mind. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Good evening, welcome back to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your second free show of the week. I am your host, Adam Thornton. Tonight's show will look back on another terrific Rangers win in Europe as we defeated Red Star Belgrade 3-0 at Ibrox in the Europa League last 16 first leg. Joining me tonight for his second extra show in a row after being such a good luck charm last week, we have Andy Barnett. Andy, how are you? Bring me back every week and Rangers will win. That's the that's the formula. I'm good, mate. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Yeah, we were just talking off air. It's a it's a busy night, the, the Thursday night. I'm sure everyone's the same. People have got a lot a lot longer journeys than than me to go, but going and doing the press and, and hanging about at the end and waiting for the press conference and then coming out again. It's a busy night and then when you come home, I don't know if everyone else is the same, but I'm way too amped up to, to go to sleep. So I got in about half eleven last night, couldn't go to sleep, watched as much of the game back as I could as I could stomach. So it was a late night uh, getting to bed. Obviously, you're two hours ahead, so it's not yeah. really an option for you, is it, with young kids? No, it's not, but I don't sleep after games, especially games like that. Um, I, I'm, I'm just buzzing the adrenaline, so it was like 4, 3, 4 a.m. local time for me by the time I got to sleep. So not not the greatest, but listen, if uh, I'm not going to complain if, if we keep getting results like that. I think that's the thing. Yeah, we're, we're absolutely willing to willing to get in and bear it when we get those. Okay, let's let's dig into it then. So, fantastic result for Rangers again in Europe, as as we said. They're they're almost becoming par for the course uh, over the last yeah. few years. Um, pre-game, if I'm being honest, uh, I thought we would have won the game. Uh, maybe I was verging on a two 0 um, but I didn't see it being a three 0 uh, and I think that's probably fair on reflection. Red stars will come on to probably a little unlucky not to. Not to score. I think you're always a little unlucky not to score when you get a penalty, to be honest. But um, probably on reflection, I think maybe a a three-one would have been would have been fair. Um, in terms of pre-game, Andy, I know you were relatively confident uh, as well. Was that still the case as we got close to kickoff? 
Yeah, very much so. I, I predicted 3-1 uh, as well, like yourself. I thought we would win by two goals last night. I did fancy them to score because they, they are a good team. I mean, as we saw during the game, they, they do create chances. I mean, we can talk about how well uh, we played the defensive line and so on as, as you get into the tactics side of things. But they are a dangerous side. Uh, and I've got a friend here who's a, a Red Star uh, fanatic, absolutely mad for it here. And he was telling me before that, you know, they're playing well. They're a very, very similar situation to us, both what they've been through in the last year, um, being unbeaten last season and being three points behind their rivals this season. So um, there's a lot of similarities between the teams. And I, But I felt, given that we were at home and that we did dispatch Dortmund home and away uh, effectively, that uh, we had nothing to fear going into the game. So, yeah, I, I did go in with, with confidence. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, when you look at it in the kind of bare facts outside of the whole Rangers anxiety, beating the favourites consistently in the last round, there really shouldn't be fearing, no disrespect to Red Star, but we really shouldn't be fearing a team who are lower quality than than them. I think it's it's fair to say. Um, I just want to talk about that in terms of, of not necessarily Serbian teams, but those those type of teams, if you like. Eastern European is probably too big a blanket to, to, to throw on it, but, but teams like... Um, Sparta Prague, Slavia Prague, uh, Red Star, they were kind of classically what I would class as a as a classic team of that mould. And they 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 had a lot of older players. I think there was only one other starting eleven that was under twenty eight, um, and that was the the centre half. A lot of older players and a lot over thirty, uh, as you would expect. I think we've seen that. I think they were wily, maybe is that the right word in, in terms of how they played? Yeah, yeah. They were they were quite quite crafty they would create chances they obviously given what we've just spoke about they weren't blessed with searing pace or really quick combinations or anything like that it was just more kind of decisive balls over the top causing his issues supreme talent up front some of the offside finish or the offside finish for the second goal in particular was excellent um, and like we said I think they were probably unlucky not to score an open play as well so they were that type of team for me relatively well organised middle to front not so great with cross balls at the back, which maybe you would think from a team there would, would be probably better to deal with. But um, what was your take on, on them as a whole before we dig into the chances? How do you think Red Star played um, in the opening half hour or so? Well, I think if if the tables were turned and we were looking at a, a game, if we were fans of Red Star, we'd be saying to ourselves that we were unlucky. Like, how did we not? score a goal in that game, given yeah. that it was a missed penalty, uh, three disallowed goals, all correctly disallowed by the way. One of them was very tight, but the other two were, were clear as, as as I saw it. And they had a, quite a lot of chances as well, um, which you know we had last last uh, ditch clearances. I think Lundstrom and Balligan both made a couple. McGregor obviously had a couple of saves as well. Uh, and their shot off the bar, which was astonishing in the second half. That was a, could have been a worldie. So I think if we were Red Star fans, we'd be wondering how we didn't on earth get at least one if not two goals in that game let's be fair like if that was us however with that said that's what the small margins in football are about and we've seen down the years that we've had games like that as well where we've had lots of chances not being able to score uh, domestically and in Europe and ended up being on the receiving end of, of clinical finishing and that was us last night we know our team knows how, how to play this competition and uh, I thought they were slick red star. I thought they had some some lovely players up front. The, the way they they controlled the ball, their touch, uh, their movement was good. But yeah, they had they weren't they weren't quick and they weren't good in the air. And that I think that's what cost them and what ultimately helped us. 
Yeah, I think to pick out the two that you mentioned there, uh, Katai with with the finish for the second goal that was offside, I thought was a fantastic finish and he did look dangerous all night. He missed the penalty as well and he had another goal offside. So he got a hat-trick in his last game and he could conceivably have had a hat-trick last night. thought he yeah, was yeah. very good. Uh, and then their, their number 10, who played as a number 8, confusingly Kanga, was, I think, who hit the shot. And you're right, that was, what, 35 yards out and it dipped and fizzed all the way and it hit the bar. I did think McGregor got a touch, but I think he didn't. Um, but yeah, like you said, clinical from Rangers. Um, not going to complain about a, a goal from a set piece, not going to complain about a set piece um, move that results in a goal, as we've seen for the second goal. Those are probably what you would class as low value opportunities, but you need to be clinical with them and, and we were. So no, I would agree with that. Um, I have to say, the first half hour was one of the most absorbing 30 minutes of a game I've seen in years. We had to spoke about some of them, but two penalties, two goals, another strong penalty shout, two offside goals, that wonder save from McGregor for, for the goal, eh, for the penalty, all packed into it. It felt in the press box like you barely had time to breathe. We're kind of watching it in a bit of a a bit of a daze. Um, it, it was such a chaotic and, and brilliant start to the game. Did that kind of come through at home, obviously, Andy, when you're watching? And, and, and I'm keen to get your take on that. And then I'm also keen to get your take on all of the VAR decisions. Were there any that you thought we kind of disagree, disagreed with throughout the penalties, the offsides, and maybe the penalty that we didn't get? Hey, I mean, I'll answer your first question. First of all, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was breathless. It was non-stop, almost gung-ho from both sides. That's what it seemed like. I mean, I'm sure on the pitch... It's, it's much more different. But you can see the, the way that they were trying to figure each other out. And I think Gio, um, whilst domestically still has a lot of work to do on this stage, the, he knows what he's doing. And you can see that there are phases within the game that he just takes it away from his opponents. It was like that in Dortmund, home and away. Yep. Um, especially the home game where we just cranked it up a gear at certain points. The start of the first half, the start of the second half. It was very similar last night. Uh, you know, we, we just blew them away within that kind of five minute spell. Um, and good managers do that. You take the game away from your opponents, and that's what it f- felt like we were doing. But we had to be wary of their counterattack, and it just seemed to be almost like a basketball game, end to end, non-stop action. Uh, with regards to the decisions, I thought every single decision was right. I thought the the penalty. First of all, I was like, "No, nah, well, that that didn't seem seem right." But then you saw Kent shouting for it, and yeah, and uh, inside the ground, you guys were probably wondering, like, "What's that?" for because the passage of played continued and then when you saw it on the replay it was a clear penalty and the argument made for for Kent not being in control of the ball is redundant because he was still in relative control none of the other players were in control of it either and he was clipped as he's attacking the game as far as I know Adam maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong but that is a penalty by the rules he was clipped it was inside the box and it it's irrelevant that he didn't have complete control of the ball because nobody did and it was still an attacking passage of play. Would I be right in saying that? I'm not sure on the exact rules. I think that's that's the gist of it. But in any case, I'm not I'm not sure because if you think, I don't know, playing devil's advocate, if, if Bassey swings the ball into the box um, and it's going five or ten yards ahead of Morelos, but the, the Red Star Belgrade defender pulls Morelos back or wipes him out, then... It would, be a, it would be a penalty without without any any of the two even touching the ball. So I'm not sure it's really relevant. And you're right, yeah. it's, a, it's an excellent call because Kent, he does that so often. He's, his feet are so quick and he, he slips past and it, 
the guy leaves a leg dangling. We can talk about intent there. The guy leaves a leg dangling and there is contact and he does hit him and he's well within his rights to, to go down. I don't even think it's a case of going down. I think he hits him and he goes down. But yeah. we see that we see that quite a lot with Kenny's quick feet and they just can't really can't really deal with it. So I thought um I thought excellent to get it on, on VAR and that once you understand how VAR works now, it took me a while, maybe only the last couple of weeks, but once you understand that if they go and look at it you're probably in with a shout of it being a penalty. Um, yeah. But then also, even when they come back on the pitch and they do the little the little TV screen, then you know it's a penalty. It took me ages to figure that out before because I, I just thought they would do that every time because we don't see it as much um, up in up in Scotland. So once you understand that, I think it takes a wee bit of the angst out of it or at least gets the angst out of the way quicker, um, which is good. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been our friend. Um, and I've seen a few people say... Oh, we got away with this or we got away with that. The offside goes every single time the linesman put his flag up, so we didn't get away with anything. Like it's offside. It didn't have to didn't have to go to VAR to be overturned or anything like that. The guy put his flag up three times, so they're offside. You don't get credit for that. And you mentioned yourself about the high line. That's something I want to come on to. We'll talk about Tavernier um now. Uh he mentioned post match actually that they had uh worked on maybe keeping a bit more of a high line because I think of Red Star's propensity to either play balls over the top or, or try and play on, on the last shoulder. And you kind of noticeably seen it. Like you said, two out of the th- one out of the three, I think, was pretty marginal. But other than that, we marshaled that defence very, very well. That was interesting that he thought to to mention that post-match. It shows it must have been something they were working on quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and they won't get credit for it, which they should get credit for. They kept, a clean, they kept a clean sheet. And it will always be a case of, ah, three, off, three offside goals overturned by VAR. If it wasn't for VAR, well, that's not true, first of all. But as you said, it was excellent defensive play to force the offside rule. And, and that, that has to force a Red Star into playing a different way because they were getting caught constantly. It wasn't just those those chances. There were other moments in the game as well, I believe, that they were offside. And that is a great tactical play uh, by Rangers. The first one, I think, was uh, was definitely offside. The guy, when he got it sort of hit him on the back of the yeah. of the heel and then he ended up scoring, a, putting the ball in the net marvellously. But that was definite. The second one was the contentious one for me. I, I, if it, it could have gone either way. That was the one that I was like, oh, I think we might have got lucky. But again... It, when it showed the lines, it was just, just offside. Uh, I'd, if it was the other way around, I'd be angry that it was given against us. But that's the rules. Them's the rules. And that was correct. I think we can maybe hold McGregor uh, a little bit accountable for that, had that been conceded, because that was oh, his, one mistake, yeah. his one mistake that he did make last night. And what was, again, another incredible European performance for him, which we'll come to. But that, that I would have been very angry with him for, for that drop. Uh, and then the last one, like you said, it was perfectly def- uh, defensive time moving the line out and the rebound, which again was a great save from, from McGregor and the rebound was put in. He was about a yard offside. So great tactical work that they'd obviously worked on on the, on the training ground and they, they um, you know, sort of implemented it to perfection. I think it was something they should definitely get credit for. Um, with regards to the other penalty decisions, Adam, the their penalty was a definite penalty. You could yeah. maybe say it was outside the box, but on the line is in the box. Uh, Ryan Jack didn't really complain and contest too much, so correct decision there. And the other one, I think, was that a pullback on was it on Kamara? No, there was Marais? one. There was one in the first half on Kent again, where it, again I, I was down the opposite side, um, closer to the Copeland, but on the left hand side of the box, it felt like um, Kent went down under pressure. 
um, and the referee kind of leaves him away. Yeah, he was. He was. I think he was held with the shot. I, I think that was the right decision. I have to be honest. If again, given the other way around, I think I would be very angry if that had been given against us. Anywhere else on the pitch, maybe a free kick, you could argue, but it just seemed like a genuine fifty-fifty, and the guys. Um, blocked Kent essentially I don't think there was too much in that one so oh no I think they got every decision absolutely right absolutely I haven't seen that that one back again so you're probably right we'd have seen it a few times if it if it had been close let's talk about the actual penalties then before we yep. come on and speak about about some more stuff so, so Tavernier's penalty feels like he's changed his penalty style a little bit um over the last couple um I can't quite remember how many in a row that is he scored it's definitely Definitely four, but um, he did go through a bit of a rocky phase. But it feels like he's he's changed it a little bit. Certainly the Dortmund at Ibrox uh, and last night, a bit more of an open, an open foot if you want to call it that. And he, he's kind of getting a bit of a bit of dip uh, and curve on them, almost like a like a free kick. At times, this one's even more dramatic, I think, than than the Dortmund one. A few people saying he maybe slipped. It does slip after, but I think that's as he's wheeling away rather than anything to do with with the shot. Um, yeah. Right in the top corner, Andy. Obviously incredible in terms of the aesthetics of it. Um, I guess the mar- the margin for error is is high when you aim it like that. But what a what a hit! It was just unreal. It's practically physically impossible for a goalkeeper to get there, um, even if it's not hit with yep. tremendous pace, which it wasn't. You know, like you said, he sort of curled and dipped it, and from twenty from twelve yards, not easy to do. It was a terrific penalty. It's one of the best you'll see uh, in terms of positional uh, appliance, like where he's put it. It's just perfect he did slip afterwards I mean yeah there's no doubt but I don't think it, it was a result I don't think his shot was a result of his slip it was just all in the in the, in the one movement obviously the slippery surface um I think I think that was it Martin Keown or somebody on the on the highlight shows mentioned that he'd scored seven in a row or something like that I, I maybe yeah, I'm okay. wrong with that but something like that but certainly in this competition he has a, an incredible record. Uh, once again, three games in a row now, that's opened the scoring for us. And it's one thing saying, you know, Tav uh, gets most of his goals from penalties, which he does, but he still has to score them. Yeah. And in that pressure last night, uh, and once again, he had a terrific game, but that pressure uh, to really get us in front early doors is, is enormous. But he stands up time and time again and puts the ball away where, where the keeper can't get it. It's got, it's an interesting technique, uh, and he had a few saved, you know, the, the last year, and I think the season before last, when he had that little sort of three in a row that was saved against him. So he's obviously had to change it up a little bit. But listen, it's working, Adam. And again, three seriously uh, important goals uh, under immense pressure. You can't give the guy enough credit for that. I think you're right. Pressure of the stage, etc., as well, but also pressure when you think... That game and both Dortmund games, the penalty puts us one 0 up in those games. So exactly, now now getting your your head your head in front, especially in this game, which we're going to come on to, um, because for me Rangers did not start well at all. We were off it. There was some some balls, uh, going out of play. When I can remember that Bassi tried to try to get to in front of me in the, um, on the main stand side, we just felt like things weren't quite as intense, um, as they had been. We started with a with a four at the back with Glenn Kamara as the most advanced midfielder. Probably was a, a number ten, which which is a little bit a little bit strange. I asked the manager about it post match um, in terms of what he wanted to get out of that. Um, but that was a bit strange. And like I said, the defence was in a flat back four. Andy, I, I didn't think the defence looked great early on. Felt like they went maybe man for man a little bit with Red Stars attackers, and they were kind of pulling us apart a little bit and finding holes, getting some luck. 
with with their high balls over the top. Um, so that was a bit of a concern. But then obviously getting the penalty, um, and when that second offside goal, the one that you mentioned at McGregor, maybe that was a ball over the top. McGregor could have done a little bit better with. But immediately after that second offside goal, Geo changed it in game. Lundstrom came back. They went to a back three with a more kind of conventional Morelos and, and Kent up top. Um, and I thought, again, maybe a wee bit of confirmation bias because we got the park and we get the goal from Morelos, which was a, a brilliantly well-worked move. But maybe a wee bit of confirmation bias that we went 2-0 up and then we went three at the back and we probably are going to look a little bit more assured because we've kind of knocked the stuffing out of them. But again, an indication about how tactically flexible the manager is in Europe, Andy. Absolutely. I mean, it was something Gerard uh, used to to say when he was manager that he kind of relied on his players on the park to make changes as they saw it. Like they could change things in game uh, on the park, and and that, listen, that's that's great if they can do it. But this is not, by the way, me criticising Gerard. I'm just saying that one of the things maybe when you get a, a continental coach is the ability to do that. It's something that that his yep. mentor Dick Advocat did twenty uh, odd years ago when he was manager of us. He could change things, you know, bring on an Ian Ferguson or, or or something in the middle of the part and, and play an extra man and as a, as a anchor role. And that's what you get with Van Bronckhorst and his, and not just him, but his, his his coaching team around them. They know what they're doing, they see things that are happening, and then they make changes in real time, which immediately have an impact and that was critical last night I don't doubt that if he hadn't made that change when he had that they would have got in behind us again I'm not saying they would have scored but they definitely would have had more chances like that but it seemed to stop it seemed to sort of stop that bleed if you like um, from that moment and it forced Red started to think of a different way to attack us which they had far far less success with after that so it was a, a, a very smart change from from Gio and again it's, it's kudos that's what he's, you, you, you pay him for but he has to still do it and to make that change as early in the game as he did shows that he's he's not afraid to do it. And yeah, it, it stopped the flow. It didn't stop the the attacks completely, but it, it changed it. I think it just gave Rangers more stability at the back, and we didn't have any of those over the top balls after to deal with. So yeah, very smart change at the uh, at a critical time in the game. What I, what I really liked as well was. We did that. We got ourselves um, in at the break 2-0, but then he changed it back again in the second half. And I must admit, I didn't actually notice for, yes, about, yeah. for about 10, 15 minutes. But, and he did say after the game, I'm kind of paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact um, the exact quote he said, but Lundstrom, he felt maybe, um, not that he was struggling, but just that at centre-back, maybe the game state had completely changed. And at centre-back, he felt like maybe that wasn't the right approach. So he moved him back in to midfield and again moved Kamara further up. Um so that was quite interesting that he recognised this is this is for a period of time in the game to whether it's take the sting out of the game whether it's to be more um, aggressive with Morelos and Kent up up front to try and be on the break to get that third goal or not whatever the reason he decided to do it for basically a half hour period and then come back again that to me that shows that that flexibility so that was fantastic. It was it was great. I just wanted to jump in there and say like. Um, you could see it from, watching on the TV. You could see the changes because obviously they were talking about them in commentary. Although, as usual, Stephen Craig and a bit, bit slow with everything. He's kind of five minutes behind everyone else, but <laughs> they still did mention it. Um, and and you can see what was going on uh, watching it on the TV. And and I think what was interesting is that although Lundstrom wasn't as effective in the back as he is in in the defensive defensive midfield role, he didn't put a foot wrong in either. That's and I think that's what's so great about having a versatile player. Um, and it'll be very interesting, I think, to see how 
how Lundstrom's career at Ibrox develops after. Let's all be honest here. We, we, most of us had written him off. He hadn't settled well at all into the game. But it seems that Gio has invigorated him in, in many ways. And to have somebody that can make, not just play in different positions, but actually change in the game twice, I yep. think is, is, is quite an important player to have. So he could be critical in the running, Adam, not just uh, in Europe, but also domestically as well. It could be, and I think it's it's interesting that there's a tactical flexibility switching, but then also, like you said, being able to do it without making a substitution is huge. I think um, last year we had probably what Hadji, Aribo, maybe Rufa, a push, a push that were your hybrid players, if you like, that could play in in one or two, maybe three or four or five positions in Aribo's case, um, that could do things in attack to mix things up. This year with Van Bronckhorst, it really seems like it's Bassi and Lundstrom who are offering that, whether it's three at the back, four at the back, um, yeah. whatever we want to do, it's them that are doing it. Lundstrom can play in, in two or three positions as can Bassi. So that's really interesting how that's changed and developed, and it gives us it gives us many more options in-game, uh, as we've seen uh, there. The two other goals that we scored, probably unfair to call both of them, Set piece goals, but but the first one from Morelos. Um, good to see another set piece routine, Andy. I know people moan about first of all Tavernier's corners not hitting the not going past the first man, even though Aribo seems to score every other week with that exact thing. Um, good to see a little bit of mix up. We did use this two or three times uh, in the game. That kind of short pass to to Jack and him kind of curling one in from a from a different angle. I think from memory, Goldson almost scored from it in the second half uh, as well. But good to see that, and I think. For Morelos's goal in particular, it's almost like a, a chip, like a golf kind of, I don't know what the word is for that, a golf chip that, that he kind of, Jack does and, and it causes a bit of confusion and the ball falls to Morelos who who lashes at home. But just good to see that variation coming coming to fruition. Yeah, uh, the golf term, I think a flop shot is what you'd be referring oh, to there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Alyssa, it was fantastic to see a bit of variety. Uh, I, I'm... I like to see the, the the corners at least be varied up and the set pieces be varied up from time to time, especially if they're not working. And, and we do see a bit of repetition. And it's, it's not any individual player's fault. It's collectively what they're doing in the training pitch. And this showed that they've been working on something this week. And it worked an absolute treat. Uh, it really, really did. And when you've got guys like Tav, Jack... Kamara Arable, guys that can play beautiful balls in, then it, it, it can confuse the opponents as well. As for the finish, just brilliant. That that kind of just off the right side of his of his foot to get a tiny yep. bit of a curl on it with the power uh, and get that spin on it. Uh, it was glorious. It was a f- tremendous moment. Watching it on the TV, it was just tremendous. And two goals in five minutes, it's it just takes the game completely away from Red Star at that time because they could have easily settled. But they didn't. We didn't let them do it, and it's just a, another phenomenal uh, night for Alfie in, in this competition. I think was he fourth now or third in all time um, yep. goals in that competition. It's just it, it, he's not the only one, but he certainly raises his game, and we get the best of him on nights like that. I think he's now seven seven goals in in Europe this season, which is the most by a, a Rangers player, I believe. That's a yeah in history, yeah, yeah. And also he has. Definitely one more game, but you would hope, fingers and toes crossed, that he's got at least three more games in, in the competition. So so plenty of time to, to go and break his own record on that one. Um, there's so much to go through here. I think we'll, we'll just kind of finish off talking about the game with, with the, the third goal. Um, again, variation, the key theme. Um, in terms of how Red Star defend, I don't think they defend the cross balls very well all night, Andy, but um, they almost seem to just defend in a kind of two banks of four. 
uh, even for corners, it was very, very zonal. Um, and you've seen with Balogun's, that's a pretty straightforward outswinger to take it away from the from the keeper. And Balogun came into the post-match press conference. Um, he's always good form in the, the post-match. He's very, very cool. I think David said that uh, before. Um, very cool. He came in and he was asked, as soon as that ball hit your head, what did you think? And he went, yeah, it hit me square in the forehead. And I thought, you get a good feeling from it. And I thought, yeah, that's got a good chance. And he's seen the keeper almost kind of get a touch to it. Thought he might have saved it, but he was just delighted to... Delighted to see it go in. It was a very beautiful goal, quite basic, I guess, Andy, but just that outswinger and he just hits it square on and it goes right in the corner. It was a perfect goal, but also a perfect time, which you spoke about earlier on. Five minutes after half time, you can imagine Dejan Stankovic saying to his team, Get out there, we'll try and go at them for the first 15 minutes, try and get a goal back and see what happens. And the wind was knocked out their sails uh, for the third time. Yeah, uh, first of all, Balogun, along with with a uh, Bassi have got to be two two of the coolest guys in our team by far. Yeah. They're just uh, like they're great value, um, and um, he is. I mean, he's one of these kind of understated heroes, Balogun, considering like you know where we got him from, and we don't know if he's going to stay another another year past this contract. I think he's been a great servant for Rangers in his time, and it was a, a fabulous header, a great ball in, and, and fabulous header. And yeah, the timing's perfect because this, I think the away goals rule to, uh, being taken away has changed a lot about the the approach because you, you, it doesn't force the home teams to defend as much as as it did in the past. Obviously, with the fear of conceding, so you get much more of a sort of attacking. Um, end-to-end game, and if you look at some of the scores across Europe, there, there was a lot of goals last night in both the, both the competitions because of that. I really believe, like home teams attacking, away teams attacking, um, and and I think that was the case for us last night. I, if I had one criticism, it was that maybe at 51 minutes that we kind of did. I mean, I wouldn't say we shut up short, but I think there was definitely a chance for us to score go, score more. Uh, but to, listen, we'll, sit, we'll take 3-0 every day of the week in a game like that. But we showed how vulnerable that defence is. And, and when we go to Belgrade, it will be a different game, as I'm sure we'll come on to. But the, the one area that we have to exploit is set pieces because, you know, that's where all the gold came from last night. And, and once again, we, we show that we've got the players that can cause a lot of damage. Absolutely, let's move on to that now. So, like we said, 3-0 is a, is, is a great, emphatic victory to take. I, I, I fancy it's to score, particularly, you can see it now. If we go three at the back from the start, I think, we'll just soak up pressure and got Kent and Morelos on the break. I really fancy it's to score against most teams, to be honest, when, we're, when we've yep. got that. So, um, it's going to be an interesting tie. And you are heading over as well, aren't you? This will be your first... Uh, When's this first Rangers game in, in how many years? Yeah, well, the last one was Spartak Moscow away. <laughs> so, what's yep. that, three, three and a half years? Well, that was one of the coldest I've ever been at a game. Hmm. Um, yeah, Belgrade is two short flights for me. So, yeah, looking forward to meeting some of the Bears if they're going over there. Um, if, you know, for any of the listeners, just give me a shout either in the in the comments or, or tweet me at, at Tel Aviv Rangers. Let me know if you're going and we'll, and we'll, we'll sync up. Very excited, Adam. Uh, not just because it's a great chance to go and see see the Rangers, which is, you know, I don't get to do it very often, so I'll be very excited about that. But I think, I don't know, I've got a very, very positive feeling about not just going through, but I think we can we can go deep into this competition. I really, really do believe it. Uh, I think beating Dortmund is, some people were worried it would give us a, 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 self of over, a sense of overconfidence. I don't think it has. I think this team knows what abilities it has in this competition. I think Gio is a good manager for this competition. And I really believe if we 
if we can get maybe a, a little bit of luck in the draw, there's one or two teams that I would like to avoid potentially. But uh, if we get through Red Star, which I believe we will, I'm very excited about our chances. And this is uh, hopefully the first of maybe two or three away trips that I can get to. Uh, fingers crossed. But yeah, listen, I'm very excited. All, all, all things joking aside, I'll be looking forward to, to going over. What about yourself? Are you going or know anybody no. that's going? I'm not going. I've uh, I've ripped the arse out at, um, over the last few few months in terms of Copenhagen and then almost Leon um, and then uh, Dortmund. So uh, with with two young kids in the house, as you know, I'm going to sit this one out. Plus, I can I think I can only get a day off holiday wise from from work. So four hours. So keep, keep that for the final first of all. I know. Final. My 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 holiday year runs until. April to March, so I'll be fine for any next legs if we get if we get through. But yeah, four hour forty trip each way on a day trip wasn't wasn't quite what I fancied this time. So no, I sadly will not be there, but I'm sure you and everyone going will have a, a fantastic time. Um on to domestic matters then, Andy, if if we must. Um the team, what I would say about the, the rest of the second half, obviously we mentioned some of the chances that Red Star had, but the team looked visibly dead on their feet, I think, from from about 70 onwards. We did make some changes. Sakala came on. No, I don't think he did very well when he when he came on a little bit rabbit in the headlights. Sands, I thought, did did okay when he came on to kind of give give Jack a bit of a rest. He, he looked okay at points. But guys like I'm thinking Morelos, um, Balogun, you would imagine wouldn't wouldn't be able to to go again um at, at the weekend. Um what do we think for the weekend? Um, I'm, I'm conscious it's a Scottish Cup final. It's a, sorry, Scottish Cup quarterfinals. But we do want to go far in that tournament as well. However, we probably do have have priorities that we need to have a think about there. What What would you think for this this game in terms of other players coming in to to get a bit of of game time, but still give us a, a strong enough team to go out and hopefully put on a decent performance against Dundee? Well, we have to win first and foremost. Performance is secondary in a game like this. It's a cup quarterfinal. Uh, just getting through is the key. There's no room for forgiveness or recovery in this. It's either we go through or we don't. Uh, so I'd, I'd settle for a boring 1-0 as we had in the last two domestic games. With that said, it would be nice to see fresh legs and see what they can do. Um, Balogun, uh, I thought Aribo's still not not 100% firing, he's, he's not got the energy, Jack is still coming back from a long layoff, so expect changes there, uh, Balogun you mentioned, uh, Alfie, Ken, I mean there's definitely four or five changes that I think we can make, Even also McGregor, I'm not saying that I want him dropped, but I think it's possibly a good game to get John McLaughlin in, uh, knowing how Dundee play and how some, most of the Scottish teams play, it's going to be a lot of high balls and, and, and what, trying to get set pieces, so I'd like to see maybe McGregor giving a bit of a rest as well. Um, I think there's got to be space in the, in the team for uh, the likes of Sakala, Roof, possibly even uh, Lowry in the midfield to come in for for Jack. Is is Arfield wasn't involved last night? Is he going to be available? I don't know, but if he is, then then maybe he'll be fresh as well. Uh, I, we've got a strong enough squad that we should be able to take care of Dundee with all due respect. Uh, the one thing that's going to be interesting, I, I think, is that will we finally see Aaron Ramsey um, and, uh, and Ahmed Diallo? Are they going to be involved at all? Because if they're not involved this weekend, I've lost all hope that they'll be involved at all for the rest of the season, I have to be honest. Yeah, um, like I said, I was up the up the Copeland side of the main stand, which I don't normally sit at, even in my, my, my season ticket seat. Um, and it was novel for me being able to see the bench, first of all, um, and also the players warming up. And to my knowledge, neither Ramsey or Diallo came out once 
Um, so I, I'm not quite sure what yeah, is going on there. I'm not going to hang. I, I would be amazed if we seen both of them from the start on on Sunday. But hopefully we can see one. Particularly as you said, if Arfield is is out, um, and and Aribo maybe is it is this the game to give him a rest? I'm I'm not sure. Does he maybe possibly get a rest next Thursday night if if we're want to be this team that's quite compact and sit and play on the break? Do we maybe try and give him a rest then I, I don't know um this is what the manager is is paid to do but I think for me I don't want to change too much I think we just take out the players that maybe are, are a wee bit of high impact like I possibly look at um bringing out um bringing out Bassey for one of the next two games again I've not really made my mind up on what what one that would that would be um be good to get Hellander back in I think at the weekend and get him some some minutes uh ahead of the, the international break and, and the run into the season. Um I'd love to see Roof. I would love to see Lowry. Um I think Diallo hasn't for me I don't for me I think he's been harshly treated from from the, the fan base. Um if I'm if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well we haven't seen enough of him. I, I think a lot of fans maybe I I'm speaking a little bit personally here, like my own personal view, but from what I've read, I think he came, he, he arrived and he had a game against Ross County, scored in the first five minutes and, and had some lovely touches. And he then he got a couple of clatters in that game and, and he was like a rabbit in the headlights at, at Parkhead. And he was never really forgiven after that. And, and, and it's it's not fair, you're right. It's it's harsh. That is just the harshness of, of Scottish football in particular. Yeah. When you play for, for one of the, the, the old firm, that you're not really given second chances. Uh, I don't know if he la- if he has the physical capabilities for a game like the weekend, but if you can't, as I say, if you cannot do it against the probably the poorest team in the league, then you know what what can you do? So yeah, he, he's not been given a proper chance. That is true, and fans are very harsh on him. But again, it's it's just the manager also. He's obviously seen him in training and not not seeing enough to to pick him. That's it. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what we're all. I think he's had an knock in the last the last one or two. But yeah, you're right. Before that, I think, um, I guess we'll need to wait and see. But yeah, for me, I think he he hasn't been uh, atrocious. I, I I think he could pick out quite a lot in the Celtic game against Dundee United. Yeah, fair enough. He should square up, but. A guy comes on and wants to back himself. Um, it's unfortunate given how high pressure that was and how literally it would have been an open goal and would have won the game. But I don't think it's quite enough for me to say you should never play again for for the no. team or anything like that. I think I would be I would be happy to to give him some more time and see how how he contributes. But I think key for me be interesting on Morelos. I don't think there's a, a can you really afford to drop Morelos or not? I'm not too no. sure. But um, he did. Well, look what's better. the alternative? I know. He did look tired. He was feeling his hamstring a little bit at times. If he was really a, an issue, he'd come off. But maybe he goes roof up, roof up top on his own. I don't know. It's still quite a big game. I'm not sure that's really the answer. So there's lots of questions and we don't have the answers. And unfortunately, we're having to record before the press conference today. So we won't really get any of that insight. So this might all change by the time the, the show comes out. So apologies in advance for that. Um, I think we've covered everything that, that I wanted to get through. Andy, um, best of luck on your travels next week. Hopefully you can, I was going to say bring back, but hopefully you can get a win and take it back to your house and then post it to us back in Glasgow. That would be that would be fantastic. But thank you. It for would be my up. pleasure. No, absolute pleasure. The only thing we didn't mention, just a wee special uh, note, was how good was that save from the penalty from Alan McGregor? Of course, we didn't. We didn't. I was going to make that. I was going to make that joke. You've just reminded me. That was a great penalty from from Katai. First of all, outstanding yeah. save. One handed. The power he got to rebound that away was incredible. Seen yeah. quite a few people 
uh, not of a Rangers persuasion saying he was off his line as I think David tweeted last night he's not come off his line since 2004 so that's impossible <laughs> but yes credit where it's due no one I think I can speak for everyone who's maybe been criticising him no one has ever criticised his short stopping ability or his ability from, from penalties so to see yeah. that even after a rough few weeks for him to see that last night was no surprise to me and that's how that's how good he's been well, for the last few years I tweeted afterwards that this is the 11th penalty save for Rangers, um, which is just astonishing, really, when you think about it. 11, four of which have been against Celtic, by the way. Um, and it's, it's something like a 31% save record he's got for Rangers, which is, I, I just think, outstanding numbers. And it's been big games, like, you know, four old firm, two in Europe now that he's had. And uh, it's just, again, if there's if there's one man you want, or, you know, in between the sticks to make that save in a game like that, it's still even at age fourteen, despite some poor poor form this season, it's still Alan McGregor, absolutely brilliant, and um, yeah, uh, hopefully he's still got a few more of them left in him before the end of this season. Absolutely, when you think that, when you think that three out of four penalties go in, that that's the that's the stat, seventy five percent of them go in. The fact that McGregor makes that. Only sixty-seven percent of penalties he faces goes in. It shows it shows the importance to to the team absolutely. And you're right. Thank you for thank you for reminding me of that. That was incredible. No, no bother at all. Okay, Andy, that will definitely do us for for tonight. Then thank you for joining us. My pleasure, mate. Have a good weekend. Thank you, and I hope all the listeners have a great weekend as well. If you haven't subscribed to our Patreon site, first of all, why not? As I say every week, but you can subscribe on patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. We have up to five shows a day, all for the princely sum of £2 a month. Thank you all once again for listening, and as always, David will be back on Monday with the flagship. Have a great weekend. If you check out Rangers Pools, you can try the free-to-enter weekly giveaways. Predict the first goal scorer and the final score of our match against Dundee this weekend and you could win £100. Go visit www.rangerspools.com and click on the Scorecast banner on the homepage to enter. Best of luck. Podcast Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.